The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley as we begin a Thursday. Gary, how's it going? Well, you know, doing what I always do. We're both doing what we always do, just observe the uh, the idiocy that uh, exists out there. Mm. Uh, we thought we would start with this. All right. And this is because there was an all-out push yesterday, and I, and I found it interesting because the talking points went out everywhere. And you had the White House with their surrogates yesterday out there telling the American public who for some reason don't understand that we have an incredible economy right now. And the economy is incredible. And that, yeah, the uh, Inflation Reduction Act is a wonderful thing. Uh, Not because it reduced inflation because it handed out so much government money right because that and and it's handing out so much government money and as the president said yesterday if you want to buy look at all the incredible energy savings americans are getting by buying heat pumps and solar panels and it was just but there's more than just that i mean his surrogates were out yesterday in fact this is the one that i have to play because this is the one where we can, this playing this audio cut, Eric, allows us to play a golden oldie. Yeah, yeah. Now, we know that, you know, we have a hip audience that probably are, you know, they're into the new tunes, but once in a while you like the classic rock. I mean, even I'm into the new, I'm into a lot of the new stuff, but I like the classic stuff, which is why I went to the classic rock concert last week. It's Throwback Thursday, and for yes. those not paying attention, Throwback Thursday in and of itself is a throwback. Because <laughs> it's so old. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> the classic throwback. <laughs> but it was Robert Rice yesterday talking about the economy. All right, yeah. here he is on MSNBC. 
And like I said, I was just, I was like, wow, they're everywhere. This was, of course, it's all calculated. But the surrogates were out everywhere promoting that the American public just, uh, we don't understand why the American public doesn't realize how great things are. Here's Robert Rice yesterday. I think that's exactly right, Joy. They are trying to deflect attention uh, from the fact that the economy is great. It's 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 the Goldilocks economy. I'll tell you, I've been watching or participating in economic policy for at least 30 years, and I don't recall an economy that is this good. There you go. All right, so that's Robert Reich. Now, understand that when you're talking about Mr. Reich, you have to you have to take into consideration his mindset. Because the question I would ask him is, what makes a great economy for an individual? Mm. Because that's what you're dealing with. Individuals don't buy that the economy is doing great. Why? Because their economy is not doing great. Why? Because of inflation. But understand that Robert Reich has a different way of thinking. For example, what he views as a great economy probably doesn't fit the majority of Americans' views as what makes a great economy. Just like it when it comes to what our health care system should be, mm-hmm. Robert Reich probably uh, is not in agreement with the majority of Americans. And we go back to an audio cut from 2009 where Robert Reich was talking about health care. And if you were honest about health care, he laid out what the best we can do for health care in this nation is. Are you ready? Here we here we go. And again, this goes back to a few things on health care. Uh, look, we are we have the only health care system in the world that is designed to avoid sick people. And that's true. And what I'm going to do is I am going to try to reorganize it to be uh, more amenable to treating sick people. But that means you, particularly you young people, uh, particularly you young healthy people, you're going to have to pay more. Thank you. Uh, and by the way, uh, we are going to have to, if you're very old, we're not going to give you all that technology and all those drugs for the last couple of years of your life to keep you maybe going for another couple of months. It's too expensive, so we're going to let you die. Now, first off, yes, these this was at Berkeley, and so you see that there was just a small, uh, you know, uh, applause when he said young people are going to have to pay more because they're young people. In fact, it sounded like only one person was doing the clapping. Yes. Other people were just kind of, you know, wait, wait, what did he say? Hmm? But letting old people die mm-hmm. is what got much more greater applause from the people at Berkeley. Yeah. So understand that's the best that Robert Reich expects out of a health care system in the United States. Mm-hmm. So you have to take that into consideration. Yeah. If that's what he believes the best health care system would be in this country, then you have to question, well, wait a minute, Mr. Rice, if you think that's what the best health care system would be, I have to question your judgment on how you come up with this is the best economy in 30 years. Because I am suspicious as to whether your opinion has any credibility at all. Yeah. 
We still have never gotten an answer from him when we says we have a health care system that avoids the sick. I, I still don't well, understand Well, he's that. now 77. Yes. So I would love to hear that revisited by him. Old people, you can go uh, to the hospital and get as much treatment as you need. <laughs> How things change over the years. I'm an old person now. That's right. So that's that's what I'm thinking. I, I My views say uh, on a number of things have changed over the years. Like early bird specials. When I was young, it just meant that if I went to a late lunch, oh my gosh, here we go. But now that I've had some years to think about it, it makes sense. I like it. Love to hear from Robert Reich in 2023. The 77-year-old Robert Reich. And see if he feels the same. Come on. You know, it's it's funny because <laughs> maybe he's grappling. <laughs> maybe he grappled and, <laughs> and evolved like Obama did on gay marriage. <laughs> A load of garbage. <laughs> He's evolving. He's grappling. He's grappling. Yeah. No. Um, it's, you know, this is when you live in that delusion, of course, you're going to say today's economy is great. Look at the economy. It's great. It's great. It's great. It's great. And I saw some people trying to make the case that um, you've got companies that are moving to certain states and setting up shop in certain states. Because of the, this is liberals making this case, because of the Inflation Reduction Act. Well, number one, it's more government money act. It's not about inflation reduction. And those companies are bound to take a government handout. If they're getting free money from the government, that's nothing new. The Democrats are doing what Democrats screamed about just a couple of years ago. Right. Why are we subsidizing companies? Right. These uh, bailouts for these corporations. And that's where they'll be tomorrow. All during the day on Wednesday, it was this weird thing. Look at what the Inflation Reduction Act is doing. Look at all the great benefits of the Inflation Reduction Act. I thought to myself, are they going to just do the, are they going to do a flash mob? Where they all just start singing and dancing in the middle of a, I don't know, CNN segment. <laughs> Inflation Reduction Act. Inflation Reduction. Uh, who was it that did sing on the set? Was that Don Lemon? I Somebody was remember. singing on the oh, set. Oh, yeah. Was well, it about gas it, prices? He was dancing on the yes, set. Yes, remember it went down like two cents? Yeah, yeah, and he was dancing about and it. He was like, this is incredible. It's gone down two cents. Let me just show you, the, the, you know, how this yesterday, this was coordinated Here's on MSNBC on Morning Joe. Here's mm. Chuck Schumer uh, uh, yesterday. Mm. Here we go. Our economy is doing so well, and it's in good part because of the work we in the Senate and the president did uh, over the last summer. And they're talking about the inflation. And uh, underneath it says Biden signed Inflation Reduction Act one year ago today, which is why they were all out to talk about how wonderful the right. economy Look is at the effects. A, a, you know, yeah. a, a year out. Right. But it was just it was it was really. Um, it was really amazing. I mean, there were some tough questions that were 
uh, asked that we will uh, get to because some of the surrogates uh, were, uh, you know, were uh, were out there uh, yesterday, including John Podesta. Man, he's just he's really poor. He's just yeah, yeah. He's not he's not really good. And then Biden continued on the lies about you know the great deficit reduction mm. that we have. He just continued. And everybody's picking up on it because it was, you know, what he had the lie the other day about, again, the Amtrak. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the other one about the bridge collapsing that he said he saw? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just lies left and right coming out. And uh, here he is. Here he is again yesterday. We actually cut the federal debt, the deficit, by one point seven trillion dollars. You hear me? The first two years, we cut the debt by one point seven trillion. That's a lie. That's absolutely false. It's a lie. And he just continues continues with that over and uh, and over again. And then this is this is the one here where he talks about how Americans are saving on energy, because this was a key thing yesterday that Americans are saving on energy. They they're not saving on energy. Energy is way up from where it was when he took office. But how do they how do they get to that point that you are saving energy? Like, well, how we get to the point? Everybody knows it's not true. How does he get there? Here we go. Oh, but this law is helping families save thousands of dollars in energy bills every year through the tax credit and rebates to buy new and efficient electric appliances, weatherize their homes, install heat pumps, rooftop solar. So if you've got thousands of dollars to spend you get some subsidies, but you still have to spend thousands of dollars. Yeah. And that's how you're saving money. In your everyday energy use, you're not saving money. You've got to spend thousands of dollars to spend less money. Well, you've got to spend tens of thousands of dollars to wait on your return on investment. Yeah. That's what you're doing. So take your average monthly energy bill and then see where your return on investment after spending all that money is going to be and that includes maintenance and or replacement you know i was having a discussion with my my father yesterday because i was uh, i've i finally got the condensation line spending the spending the day in the attic over the last couple of days has not been fun it's yeah. hot up there yeah but i finally cleared out the condensation line and i was telling him yeah the people are going to come anyway i get my my check and every time they come to check it they come in and they say well the insulation in your roof is um you know uh it's 15 years old you need to get it replaced and it's like last time it was like seven grand Mm. and i went okay let me do the return on the investment of doing that looking at my electric bill and it would take me a long time to recoup that yeah take me a very long time to recoup that uh, I would not be in the house. <laughs> I I don't think I'd be alive to be able to recruit the cost of that. No. And no. and so, I mean, those are just some of the things that you look at, even with the subsidy I may get for insulation. The federal right. subsidy, if I decided to do it now, I'm not going to get a return on that. Mm-hmm. And right. and so that's that's what most people are looking at. So. It was it was a desperate attempt yesterday. We'll have more audio coming up throughout the show today because it was everybody was out. Everybody was out. Democrats were out across the board just trying to promote the thing. Number one, the economy is great and you're saving thousands of dollars a year on your energy. Mm-hmm. 
It's just the most bizarre thing. Yeah, no, you're not. Not until you repay the investment of buying and installing the solar panels. Once they're fully paid off, then you start saving. Let me know when that happens. 86690-RED-EYE. Keep your engine humming in the heat this summer by keeping up with preventive maintenance. Think your PM is complete after your oil is changed? Think again. There's grease, transmission fluids, and gear oil to consider, too. Transmission fluid, for example, prevents wear of gears, bearings, and bushings, protects against corrosion, and acts as a heat transfer fluid. You may not think about this every time you get behind the wheel, but as soon as it's not doing its job, you'll notice. Misapplication of transmission fluid can mean reduced fuel economy and abrupt or hard shifts if the static friction is too high. It can also cause sluggish operation at low temperatures if the viscosity is too high and leaking through seals if viscosity is too low. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed. Brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. Bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Of course, Corrine Jean-Pierre had to talk about the Inflation Reduction uh, Act and all of its uh, positive uh, uh, aspects. And, of course, uh, yesterday we got her normal intellectual stimulation. As you all know, uh, today is the first anniversary of the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, you know, most one-year-olds can barely walk. Uh, but uh, but this one is uh, this one year old is up and running. <laughs> they workshopped that in a room with I know. multiple people. I thought the same thing. They actually, they're, they're, sitting, totally they're sitting around a table. That. And- 
and and that's what they went with. I want to know what didn't make the cut. Uh, you know, most one-year-olds, well, just sit around in a dirty diaper. Uh, not this one. Well, this one has a dirty diaper too, but we're not going to, we're not here to talk about dirty diaper. That's probably one of them that didn't make it. (laughs) You know, you know, one-year-olds, they sleep a lot. Like every few hours they go back to sleep. It's. But not this one. Wow. Wow. Biden telling some kids at the White House, I know I know where to get some great ice cream. Yeah, I saw Daddy that. owes you, he said. No, that's not what Hunter says. <laughs> Hunter says it's the opposite. You owe Daddy. Well, it it does give us an opportunity yesterday because and and we have taken full opportunity to to talk about it because Biden has promoted Bidenomics. And we Mm -hmm. said politically when he came out with that, that's a mistake because people are feeling inflation. And now the talking points from Democrats is Bidenomics is wonderful. And we said, well, what is Bidenomics? Does anybody actually know what it is? Seriously, what? You know, Bidenomics and what the government is doing. And as we have said, what Bidenomics is, is the government taking your taxpayer dollars and giving it to unprofitable companies to create products that the government wishes industry to make that the public is not demanding and is impossible even in the future with subsidies to make money for those corporations. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that. There it is right there, Wall Street Journal. Bidenomics and the new poli- political subsidy economy. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Yep. 866-90-RED-EYE if you want to join us. 866-90-RED-EYE. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. And so the administration and all their surrogates, including the media, uh, were doing all the talking points yesterday on the one year anniversary of the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act and telling us how great and wonderful uh, it uh, is. Reporters were asking some uh, uh, decent questions, for example. Uh, you had uh, uh, you had John Podesta uh, out there uh, yesterday promoting the Inflation Reduction Act. And this was a question asking about the safeguards because people know it. They know what's going on. They they remember Solyndra. They were uh, Proterra just a couple of weeks ago, uh, maybe in the last 10 days, mm-hmm. uh, filed bankruptcy. All these companies receiving subsidies. But they can't make a profit because they're producing something that Americans don't want, that the subsidies don't cover the cost of even manufacturing, and these companies go bankrupt. So the reporters know it because here's one question yesterday. 
to Mr. Podesta. During the Obama administration, of course, then-Vice President Biden oversaw a lot of the stimulus spending but didn't foresee uh, the $528 million loss that was Solyndra. As president more recently, um, he heralded the electric bus factory uh, manufacturer, excuse me, Proterra, but it, it went out of business last week. So I'm wondering if you can speak to some of the safeguards and steps that you've taken to steward this public uh, taxpayer money and ensure that there won't be another cylinder. Yeah, from, from, I'll just be very, very quick. From day one, I uh, asked uh, that the inspectors general convene, and we've done that with under the leadership of the Department of Interior Inspector General, to ensure that each of the grant programs uh, and loan programs had the highest level of uh, they're independent, but had the highest level of input from the inspector generals to uh, avoid chasing the horse when it's out of the barn, try to make sure that the program design uh, kept the horses inside the barn. Okay, that's the kind of talk we get from them. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and of course, that means nothing. Is it a one-year-old horse? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's put it this way. Probably isn't going to win the Kentucky Derby no. at two years of age. Uh, and you know, it, it, this is where it gets back to what drives an economy. And we live in a nation that is ignorant, completely and totally ignorant on economics mm -hmm. and a media that I believe is completely ignorant on economics. For example, this, uh, about two weeks ago was a big issue. I'm sure you saw it. And I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta put this away to talk about it when it, re when it relates. And it was the whole, did you see the, the, uh, number of articles about, how Taylor Swift is helping to boost the economy. Yeah, right. And it was all over the place mm -hmm. about how Taylor Swift, I mean, the economic impact she's having. Mm -hmm. Well, she's having an economic impact in the areas where she may be bringing in outside money. Mm -hmm. And if she's bringing in outside money, for example, if she's playing, if she's playing, uh, well, let's, uh, if she's playing here in, uh, in, in Dallas, and she plays a Cowboy Stadium, whatever it is, AT&T mm -hmm. now, I guess, mm -hmm. <laughs> plays there and draws in 100, 100, uh, 1 million people because <laughs> that's how many it can fit there. No, if it, if it draws 100,000 people, mm. well, all those 100,000 people don't come from Arlington, Texas. Mm -hmm. So they may come from the suburbs. Some may, Some people probably would fly in for it. So is that there is that economic impact. But those are recreational dollars. What truly drives an economy is producing legitimate goods and services. And those services that drive the economy are the services that increase efficiency and productivity. Yeah. And the goods are something that you can sell, a new good that you have created. And that good is actual wealth that you can sell not just here, but worldwide, mm -hmm. that's what. That's why, for example, if you put in, if you used to put in a car company that was making profitable cars that they could sell all over the world, yeah. gasoline vehicles, well, each one that you produce is a creation of wealth. The net wealth of a country, of a community, goes up because they're producing actually something that people can use and the services that increase productivity and efficiency, that's what drives an economy. Now, we do live where we judge a GDP by money movement. And that's why, for example, when 
You have, and this debate always goes on, when taxpayer dollars are used to build a stadium. Well, you have to understand the money that this, uh, you know, will bring in to the community and the construction jobs and everything else. But what you're failing to realize is that those dollars are coming from other productive purposes that would be invested into companies that are actually producing wealth and services that create efficiency that would multiply that dollar because of the wealth that it creates. And that's the, that is the failure of, I think, uh, the American education system because people are absolutely clueless to how an economy actually runs. Yeah, look, um, you know, since the beginning, we've been about the expansion of wealth, taking something that's in the ground that has has no value in the ground and immediately has a demand and a value when it's processed above ground. These are things that are, in, in terms of tangible items outside of the service industry, these are things that you can look at and say, okay, that's what this is about. When you don't include the wealth expansion, everything else starts to eventually catch up with you. If you're going to base your economy on government money being passed out, when there is no wealth expansion to support to fund that government money, then you leave out the biggest part of the equation. You're taking from the till, and at some point it has to be paid back. You can borrow. That's great. But what we're doing here is the equivalent of someone opening a business and saying, I'm going to go to the bank, I'm going to borrow $500,000. And then you just never go into business. Yeah. You have no revenue stream. I was reading a, a fascinating story about a guy who did very well in sales, automotive sales, and then he started uh, getting these high-end boats. He bought some high-end boats. He borrowed some money. And he's making, I mean, a ton of money. Now, renting out these boats. And this is, you know, the things that where you look at, at, all right, what is a business model? That has to be applied in the public sector. Because when Obama said, you didn't build that, He was wrong because what he was saying to these business leaders, you didn't build your business because the government built the roads and the bridges. Well, we stopped him the moment we got on the air that night and said, actually, we built that, too, because you can't fund it without profits. Everything we have in this country is built on legitimate profits Yep, and, and legitimate profits of companies that are expanding the wealth and or because it can be both uh, increasing productivity and efficiency and of, of the of the of the economic system right and that's it it's right. not hard this isn't hard stuff right and so what you get you go when we get keynesian economics well no if government spends the money remember the insane multipliers mm-hmm. people would throw out mm-hmm. and it goes 16 times no, because it doesn't matter where the it doesn't matter where the money that government spends actually goes. It's where it's taken from. Right. It's it all starts with that, the source. And there are things where you can say, all right, um, the expansion of roadways. 
creating shortcuts, uh, creating, uh, expanding roadway, like uh, about, uh, I don't know, half a mile from here, where the construction apparently is going to go on until the year 3035. <laughs> by the time... By the time that the construction is finished in Texas we'll have on no our roads, cars. there will be no more cars. No, we'll be beaming by then. <laughs> and the idea, though, is to accommodate more individuals. Now, in our neck of the woods, we have more individuals coming in at a rate that's higher than most areas. It is right now, our area is the boom in America. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, one of the conundrums, too, is they, they've done studies in these major metro areas. When you expand these roadways, now they've they've gone back over the years and it's, well, you had people that wouldn't have taken those roadways before. They took the side roads and everything else. And now they see the expanded roadway and they jump on it, too. So we fill it right in. And that's the tendency. I don't know where the you know, where the answer is in that type of efficiency building. But the idea is to get people to work on time. They don't care about you going home. <laughs> it's about creating efficiencies. <laughs> I was one time in, I was in our area and I was, I, I, I was uh, on a toll road, very expensive toll road. If you do the math, if you actually pay your tolls <laughs> it, and it was dead stop. And I thought to myself, these people, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. Some of these people have to be on their way to work, and they have to be very late right now. And it's not the first time I've been in that situation. But the idea is to get people past that and to work. That's where everything happens. Expanding an economy. Profits. Profits are necessary for all of it. Without them, then the government eventually fails. Because it is about other people's money. That's the only thing the government has, is other people's money, your money. The wealth you create for your corporation, the wealth you create for yourself, all of it is taxed. Those taxes go to fund all of it. So, yes, Mr. Obama... We did build that, and we built the roads and the bridges to get there. Yeah. All private enterprise built all the roads. All the government infrastructure that exists only exists because of the legitimate profits of corporations that are expanding wealth, corporations and companies yep. that are expanding, and that includes small business, right. that is expanding wealth and is also and or increasing productivity and efficiency. And that's what drives an economy right. and what you have here. And it's very important. That I think people understand Bidenomics is doing the opposite. Yes. Bidenomics is about taking money from the taxpayer, putting it in businesses that number one, the public can't afford the products that they're making. Right. So they keep subsidizing them more and the public still can't afford uh, to to buy the product, right. the raw materials that are needed to buy the product, our country has said, this administration has said, the, this government has said, well, we're not going to mine or get those products from here. We're going to get them from other countries that are enemies from us. 
We're going to throw the subsidies, though, in to make this. They can't make a profit because the public can't afford it. Right. The masses can't afford it. Some people can afford it, but not enough right. to right. make a profit. Right. It's a small a minor, you know, minority, uh, and because they're not asking for it. They're right. not asking for the product. The marketplace is not demanding that this product exists. And the government is the one that says, we don't care whether the marketplace doesn't want it. We want to force this upon you. Yeah. And that's how you build a successful economy. Exactly. It's actually insane. And it's proven by history to not work. It we, fails. We have judged all the economic systems by now. Yep. And where you're headed to is not just socialism, but the when when you see this here, the control of capital to the point of private enterprise can't exist and the government would eventually have to take over, which is where you get communist, the economic system, the economic and political system of communism, mm -hmm. which is the government controlling the wealth because they're using all the terms investment. The yeah. government is investing. Right. The government doesn't need to invest. Right. Why does the government need to invest in anything? In true capitalism, in, in, you would in, have in companies, banks right. that would be willing to loan people, loan companies money right. in order to make a profit if it's a sound business model. If it's not, it fails. And so the whole thing. Period. It, because if the inspector general was doing their job, he, they'd say stop the subsidies completely. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. With the delusion uh, being sold and the hallucination uh, being sold yesterday by the administration on how great the economy is doing <laughs> yesterday, do you think that Janet Yellen was handing out shrooms uh, beforehand to everyone? I don't know. So, but, they, so they would buy into the... But China Trippin' with Janet Yellen is the name of my next band. I like it. <laughs> what type of music? Well, it's going to have to be psychedelic, right? <laughs> psychedelic metal, man, all the way. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio. On Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. 
all across America and around the planet. We are Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Harley. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. You know, in the first hour, we were talking about uh, the economy and the fact that it was the one-year anniversary of the Inflation Reduction Act, which did nothing <laughs> to reduce inflation. In fact, will increase inflation mm-hmm. because of the money, the government money that's being spent and borrowed, which is what got us here in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we talked about what really drives an economy, and it's profitable businesses making a legit profit and increasing the wealth of the nation through the products that they make uh, and taking natural resources and that uh, are don't have any value until they're pulled out of the ground and become something that is manufactured and service industry that increases productivity and efficiency of the actual um, uh, of uh, the actual society. I mean, that's what really drives it. And what's happening here is, and we did this, oh, when uh, Biden first came out and really started pushing Bidenomics. You know, you hear Bidenomics is making the country great. Nobody bought it. The polls show nobody bought Nobody still buys it. But we said somebody needs to define what Bidenomics is. And the only way you can define something is by uh, what those that call it Bidenomics have stated they're going to do. And that's what we did. And it was easy to see, okay, what they want to do is subsidize unprofitable companies that produce products that Americans are not demanding that cannot make a profit even with the subsidies. And you've seen it, for example, in the automobile industry and the billions of dollars of losses that they are incurring because of EVs, even though not just the subsidy at the end that goes to the consumer to make the cost of the car cheaper, but all the subsidies all along the line. You know, I always look back to, it's just something that, that I know because I'm from there originally and I pay attention to the news. The uh, the uh, the Tesla plant, you know, in um, uh, in uh, uh, bu- outside of Buffalo, New York, that they spent, you know, billions on and they give to Elon Musk for $1 a year. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a huge subsidy to, to do something, you know, to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh and so what drives an economy? And what they're trying to tell you is this: that's what drives the economy. And Wall Street Journal talked about it when I saw it yesterday. I said, okay, they're on exactly, you know, they've defined it too, Bidenomics and the new political subsidy economy. And they talk about the fact of there they out, they're talking that, for example, uh, they're out there saying, well, we're seeing electric power projects. It's in working because electric power projects are up 36.7%, all because... Uh, we're uh, investing. Public works spending increased 13.6%. We're building more highways and streets, 24% uh, increase. Conservation and development up 30% in the spending out there. And they're building all these things and doing all these particular projects. And they're saying that shows the success of the economy, that the, ex- the success of the economy is based on taking your taxpayer dollars and the government figuring where they should spend it on. And those people who are recipients of that money, who may get a job because of that, that shows you that their economic plan is uh, is working. And then they go into it here and they say, okay, the 2021 infrastructure bill increased spending by $550 billion over five years. 
including $65 billion for broadband, $75 billion for the power grid, $15 billion for electric vehicles. The CHIPS Act handed out $280 billion over 10 years, which includes $39 billion and 25% investment tax credit for chip factories. The really big hitter is the Inflation Reduction Act, which includes $1.2 trillion in climate spending and tax credits over the next decade and another $400 billion in government loans. Apart from wartime, we doubt that in the United States there has ever been a bigger splurge of government subsidies. All this inevitably produces a surge in investment. At least in the short term, GDP will see a boost, much as it did from the welfare payments during the pandemic. But the test of all this spending is not the number of new projects that break ground. It's whether those projects will be more productive than those that would otherwise have gone ahead if government had not directed the capital. The right public works can also increase productivity. We've talked about this, the interstate system where you Mm -hmm. did, where you produce that, that increased productivity. But if politicians invariably shower the money on projects that don't, we're still waiting for the productivity bump from the 2009 stimulus shovel-ready projects. Yeah. We've never seen it. In fact, even Obama said they, the project wasn't so shovel-ready. Remember that? Yeah. But even if they were, it didn't increase productivity, which mm-hmm. is the key. Right. The IRAs, the uh, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, $1.2 trillion in climate subsidies will inevitably cause investment distortions and unseen economic damage. As many economists have uh, said, economic meddling produces effects that can be immediately seen, such as new factories, as well as the harm, which isn't visible because you don't know where that money would have gone in productive purposes. But it would have gone for productive purposes because it would have been invested. And when you invest money, you're investing it where? In private projects. Uh, The IRA's climate subsidies are so large that companies almost have to grab them, lest competitors get an edge. And what a windfall it is for uh, corporations. Panasonic expects to pocket $2 billion in tax credits each year for its battery factories in Nevada and Kansas. First Solar will rake in $710 million from the government this year for its solar panels, Nearly 90% of its forecast operating project is taxpayer funds. Oil and gas companies are plowing more money into subsidized green technologies because they can yield a higher return on investment than hydrocarbons with the subsidies. But without the subsidies, they can't do it. ExxonMobil plans to invest billions in hydrogen, carbon capture, and biofuels through 2027. That's $7 billion less that could be invested in oil and natural gas. Most of these green energy investments would not be happening if not for the subsidies. Banks in the Federal Reserve's lending survey reported tightening credit during the second quarter for commercial and industrial companies 
banks are asking for higher risk premiums and more collateral. Yet green energy businesses can borrow from the government at the Treasury rate. The IRA authorized the Energy Department to lend up to $400 billion for climate projects. Everyone is getting into the action. Energy loan officer, uh, uh, the energy loan officer uh, 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 said for the Treasury Department recently noted, after receiving $9.2 billion in a Department of uh, Energy loan for two battery factories, Ford announced last month that it's throttling back its electric vehicle production targets amid mounting losses. In June, it announced 3,000 layoffs to fund EV transition. The transition to EVs is happening. It just is going to take a little bit longer. Well, what happens if Americans don't buy EVs? They may not have a choice as Democratic states and the administration plan to punish automakers if they sell too many gas-powered cars, penalties that will be paid by customers and workers. The EV transition will subtract from growth in the coming years if auto sales and profits decline. Money from these subsidies has to come from somewhere. And that means the private economy in higher taxes and more government borrowing. One early cost may be flagging private research and development since the first quarter of 2022 research and development's contribution to GDP has averaged about half of what it did from 2018 to 2021. One reason is the expiration last year of the immediate uh, uh, tax uh, credit for uh, or tax break for R&D, but some companies may also be shifting investment from ROD to subsidize activities. The IRA, in um, the Inflation Reduction Act, is the heart of Bidenomics, which is about creating a new political subsidy economy. Perhaps all of this will bring us into a brilliant green future. Hmm. More likely, hundreds of billions in mislocated investment will reduce future productivity gains and translate into slower economic and income growth. And it does. It hurts, and it doesn't help when you, because when when you look at it across the board, they're building products that are not as efficient as the products that, that exist today. Yeah, right. They're they're not as efficient. They there's cost not more, a and there's, and not, there's not, not a, a basis demand. demand for them. And so across the board, here is they're out there yesterday promoting. Look at all the building here. Well, that's simply your bar. That's simply your taxpayer dollars, both paid out of your taxes and future generations. Right. With interest, which is causing, as we see, the deficit now to skyrocket. This is a yep. result of it. Yep. And it, it, you know, you know what it is. This this is an economic shell game, is what it is. Oh yeah, it's purely an economic shell game. Yeah, you cannot run an economy through government subsidizing industries that cannot make a profit because the government is demanding what products. The consumer buy. Well, if you think that runs an economy, well, then you've been dipping in to Janet Yellen's mushroom dish. I wonder, are they serving any of that in Austin these days? <laughs> the problem that they have, and they don't see it, which tells me many of them are clueless. Yesterday, when one of them was saying, 
oh, these companies, they all point to the Inflation Reduction Act as the reason that they did this or did that. You mean they took government money? They'll all do that. If tomorrow it's announced by Congress and the administration that all corporations in the U.S. will be getting a big check from the government, they'll all get in line. They're not going to turn that down. So what are you missing? What you're missing is it's a handout to nothing. Are they making a profit? Long term, are they going to make a profit? But really, the first question is, why do we need to give them money? To save the planet. It's under the guise, the false notion of saving the planet. Well, at best, it gets to what? Net zero. I don't know. A little girl named Greta told me net zero is not zero. (laughs) That's where I learned it from. A young person. Because I'm hip. And cool. And cool. And sick. That's killer, man. It's killer. It is It is wild. That's so dope. It's dope. Speaking of dope. <laughs> right back to Janet Yellen every <laughs> oh, time, yeah. doesn't it? Just a, It's like. Big circle here. <laughs> it just keeps making this vicious, tripping hard circle. And but these are the <laughs> the Treasury Secretary was tripping hard. Oh, we saw no ill effects. Wait a minute. Ill goes back to the Beastie Boys. So are you saying you didn't get high? Is she complaining she didn't get high? Now she's fighting for her right to party. <laughs> I found that out later. I didn't know they were hallucinogenic mushrooms. I found that out later. Well, you know, when you do listen to both sides of a Floyd album. You You know know who told me? You know who told me? No, Barney the Dinosaur. I love you. Hey, are you feeling anything yet? Are you tripping? Uh, I'm serious. We're so doomed. The Treasury Secretary is in China tripping hard. Oh, it was in the dish. Uh Uh-huh. Who chose the restaurant? Me. I'm going to make sure wherever I go this weekend, if anybody's serving brownies, I stay away. Well, if, the, if, the, uh, if you hear the uh, server say, can I take your order, 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 order? What would you like to drink? Drink, 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 drink. There may be a problem. There may be a problem. <laughs> My thought is. If the plans you're... start moving. <laughs> yeah. Would you like a salad, 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 salad? Yeah, if your salad starts moving, <laughs> you may have eaten too many of yes. Janet Yellen's mushrooms. Yes. 866-90-RED-EYE. 
Most owner-operators leased to larger carriers are paid on a per-mile basis or a percentage of revenue per load. The per-mile basis is most prevalent among larger fleets. Percentage at smaller. Pay per mile tends to dominate discussions about pay just because it's easier to measure. And pay per mile often is wrongly used as the deciding factor in leasing to a carrier. While pay per mile can be a vital factor, it's not a cure for every ill. Nor does it mean a big settlement check is coming an owner-operator's way. Why? Because pay per mile always must be considered in balance with gross revenue as well as total costs. Gross revenue can include flat mileage pay, mileage pay that varies by length of haul, percentage revenue pay, and more. Most importantly, though, for every revenue dollar generated, only part of that dollar is profit. But for every extra dollar of cost saved, the entire dollar contributes to profit. Knowing and understanding your cost to operate is fundamental to understanding the true value of any pay package. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology. For more information, go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Overdrive's Partners in Business section of the website for more detail on Business 101 and many other topics. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Well, at least this week we didn't have to talk about Barbie. At least that's finally out of the news. Hey, did you hear that Barbie is now the highest grossing movie from the the studio that made it? And I don't care even enough to know what the studio is. No, we've moved on uh, to the, uh, the blind side. That yeah, story. That's Michael kind Orr. of evolved, hasn't it? Well, you you see that. You know, I'm guessing a sequel's out of the question. You see the whole thing that he wrote a memoir in 2011. Yeah, where you know he uh, he knew he wasn't adopted at that point. So, right. Yeah, because he had okay. said recently that he only recently found out. Right. In the memoir in 2011, New York Post had that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but what I love is that. The push now for Sandra Bullock to have to return her Emmy or whatever it is, yeah, Oscar, whatever mm. she got for, whatever she got for it, <laughs> and then to Bradley Cooper. You saw that one, right? Mm-hmm. Where, yeah, for Leonard Bernstein, Leonard Bernstein movie because because he used a prosthetic nose, right? And, and that's, I guess, yeah. the allegation is called Jew face, right? Yeah, on social media, they were saying, why did they hire a non-Jewish actor? to? Join the conversation. 1-866-90-RED-EYE. Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Yeah, what's the Bradley Cooper movie? It's a, uh, I guess it's Maestro. It's Maestro. Called, right? It's a Netflix movie. Yeah. 
Uh, and Leonard Bernstein's family said they had no problem with Bradley Cooper playing it. Well, they said, they said. Or putting on the Leonard Bernstein had a big nose. Yeah. And Bradley chose to do this. And we didn't feel anything on the set except for respect for uh, who he was playing. And yet you can't, I mean, look, to me it's distracting. And the reason it's distracting is because when they do the prosthetics, you know, with the makeup, unless it's a comedy, it doesn't work. And the reason it works for comedy is because it's so apparent. It's very apparent that that's not Bradley Cooper's nose. And I don't know that, you know, there, there's the thing. When you're depicting somebody, especially like a Leonard Bernstein, I think you just play the person or you find somebody, if 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 that's what it's, you know, the, the mission, whoever's making the movie, then if you feel it's necessary to find somebody that looks more like the person, all right, I get that. Um. In his day, back in his day, I would say, because to me, Leonard Bernstein looks kind of like a Judd Hirsch. But Judd Hirsch, you know, I mean, it's you, you need somebody younger to play, of course, younger. Leonard Bernstein. Uh, New York Times had a piece on it, and they did a side-by-side of a young Leonard Bernstein next to a... Bradley Cooper playing Leonard Bernstein wearing the prosthetic nose. Now, again, the nose is too distracting to me. I don't know that I'd be able to watch the movie because it's just, a, it, it, to me, it's just a distraction. It just doesn't look good. I don't care why they're doing it. It's, it doesn't look good. But the side-by-side in the New York Times was a younger Leonard Bernstein and it was also at an angle where, and it appears in that side-by-side, that, that the nose and the prosthetic being worn by Bradley Cooper is much larger. Yeah, I saw that picture, too. Well, yeah. if you look at other pictures of Leonard Bernstein, as his family said, and as anybody can see, he had a big nose. And in that one picture used in the New York Times, that, of course, was a different angle, whatever. Uh, it looked much smaller than the prosthetic. I still think the prosthetic is distracting. It's just, and maybe that's just me. It's when you do things like that, unless you're doing a Lord of the Rings or you're doing a comedy. Seinfeld episode. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, it... it it only makes a distraction, especially when you're talking about a Bradley Cooper who is a leading man character and everybody knows, well, that doesn't look anything like Bradley Cooper. There are some prosthetics and, and makeup jobs over the years that were pretty pretty good. Uh, Jack... Uh, Jack Nicholson in Hoffa. They, it was there were there were some 
and some also, you know, he kind of, um, I don't know, he, he, he kind of held his own face differently because he was playing the character or playing the person. All right, there's some things over the years that they have done. It's it's very hard for me to get past prosthetics again, and it's it, it's just me. I don't. Who yeah, knows I, I would. I I wouldn't care. I mean, that I will say though, it did look bigger, and I thought of Seinfeld saying, "That's not a nose, that's a schnoz." Mm, yeah, <laughs> that, exactly. That classic line. Well, but yeah. but I what I just love is the criticism, and it was like in the Leonard Bernstein's family, like let it go. He, he had a he had a big nose and yeah, uh, right. uh the whole thing about well the actor playing him is not Jewish. They're yeah, that's actors. That's, well, there's there's the other thing too. Uh and I think it was Sarah Silverman. Um and she had one comment. I I actually don't know if she was criticizing or or defending Bradley Cooper, I don't know. Uh or the decision to have Bradley Cooper play Bernstein, but she said, Well, Hollywood has been hiring non-Jews to play Jews for years. Well, the fact of the matter is everybody is, unless it's, uh, what's his name? Um, Nicholas Cage, who played himself in that movie a few years ago. All right. Other than that, unless you're playing yourself, you're acting. So, how far do you want to take it? Yeah, I mean, if there was a Leonard Skinner movie and they wanted to use Johnny Van Zant mm-hmm. to portray Ronnie, mm-hmm. that, would, that would make sense. That would make sense, yes, right. exactly. They probably wouldn't do it, but no, yeah, yeah, that would make yeah. sense. But, but all right, are we going to get down to it and say, all right, everybody who plays a Christian in a movie must be a Christian. Well, but you don't have to worry about that. Jim Caviezel has all those roles sewn up. For He's the got most of them. Half century. He's got most of them. <laughs> He's got at least a, a couple of them. But that would blow. They, their, their brains would implode if you actually start holding them to their own standard. Because uh, I think it was Neil Patrick Harris. When it started coming out that, all right, we need, if you're going to be, if the if the character, if the person being portrayed is gay, it needs to be a gay person. Neil Patrick Harris came out and said, wait a minute, I played a straight guy for years. Yeah, he was one sleazy heterosexual too, right, wasn't exactly. he? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there, and there's the other one. If you're going to play a sleazeball, you got to be a sleazeball. <laughs> If you're going to play a bank robber, have you robbed any banks? Do you know anything about it? This is how stupid it's now, getting. Now, wait a minute, though. Now, my good friend Buck Taylor from Gunsmoke, he's almost always in a cowboy role, and he is in the Cowboy Hall of Fame. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he's good. Now, he can't be playing any non-cowboys. And now you you know that when he was young he was a gymnast. Mm-hmm. He told me that. I go, yeah. you were a gymnast. He goes, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's like, yeah. but the thing is, with with Buck Taylor, you just 
every time you see him, you think of, you know, him in um, Tombstone, mm-hmm. you know, with the cowboy hat on. And, and I always picture him doing gymnastics with the Western wear that he wears in my head. Right. I, just, I, well, can't, I can't get my head around that one. Like, but then I see him when he was young, and I'm like, okay. I'm like on Gunsmoke. He was young back. He was young then. But Jamie Foxx playing Ray Charles. Uh, number one, Jamie Foxx is a music, musician. Number two, he's always he's done he long before the movie. Uh, his impression of Ray Charles was just, I mean, he great. Was, he was good just in that. Awesome. He was really good, right? In that movie. And you know, you think about uh, okay, wait, 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 wait. Speaking of anti-Semitism, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like it's, the thing about it. He was sick. He didn't know what was going on. And next thing, it was like it seemed like a week later, he's an anti-Semite. I'm like, wait, I thought yeah. he was sick. <laughs> how did this, yeah. How did this evolve so quickly? Yeah. No, it, it's, you know, you, if if you get lucky in Hollywood, you find somebody who can portray a person. If it's a real life uh, portrayal, you can find people who get pretty close uh, again, you're kind of lucking out when you do that. Uh, or you get a really good actor who can, you know, I mean, if you think about it, uh, the guy that I didn't like the Elvis movie, but the guy that played Elvis, uh, did a pretty good job. Yeah. I started watching it. I couldn't get through 15 minutes. I, of was, it. I can't tell you why I just I, went, it I bought it because I thought I was going to like it. Yeah, and it I, yeah. uh, my wife and I turned it off. After about 20 minutes in, I didn't like the weird in and out of a of a musical thing the way it was. And yeah, maybe that was. It I, I just, you know, there there are some great movies made about Elvis. My favorite is uh, Kurt Russell playing Elvis, and, and that was a TV movie. But there are a lot, and and now with so many documentaries and so many ways to find documentaries. Remember when you used to have to go to a library and rent a documentary? <laughs> Even Blockbuster wouldn't sell them. No. <laughs> exactly. No, no, it's true. Where's the, where's your documentary section? It's over here. It's uh, that's a trash can, dude. Um, but it's, you know, that's but that's again, you know, it, sometimes you get it right, and sometimes I don't know. I haven't seen the movie yet. Prosthetics kind of freak me out if they, if, you know, it's just let the actor play the, the person, you know, um, they're not always going to look just like the person, but that was the choice they made. Does it make, does it make, uh, Bradley Cooper or the creators of the movie, the makers of the movie, uh, anti-Semitic? No, No. it doesn't. That just that just got to the point of being stupid. That's yeah, it is. Stupid. But then again, we live in a stupid time right now. No, we, no, no we live in a real stupid everybody, time. It's like they're taking stupidity courses. I would say at a college, but that's kind of a or there's a new stupid drug double statement, huh? Since we since, yeah. we've, since we've been on the narrative that everybody must be high because well, everything's insane. Maybe there's a new stupid drug out there. Well, that the, the thing everyone's is, is, taking you know. Well, that's alcohol. Yeah, years ago, <laughs> years ago, I said that when you start on the wrong premise, 
everything that follows might sound logical, but it's still wrong because you began on the wrong, on the wrong premise. And when a lot of this type of criticism started, you know, you could have talked about a, you know, a number of things along the way, but it was very clear that they were making it up as they go along. And now Hollywood is feeling the pushback uh, of the cancel culture. You know, the cancel culture wanted to, wanted to cancel everything. And then all of a sudden Hollywood and corporations started getting antsy about what we can do and what we can't do or what we should do and why it's important to make this movie right now and all these things. And you say to yourself, all right, where does, but where does it make sense? They decide to take on, put agenda in it. And then, and then target wonders why their (laughs) profits are down. You know, they, they decide to, uh, uh, you look at um, all the, all the movies they've, They've had to cancel, not because of the strike, but because audience testing audiences said no. No. Every time they throw in agenda, you know, call it wokeness, whatever you want, but it's been agenda. And change something just for the agenda, and the entire path is only about the agenda then you've lost your way because Hollywood is only about entertainment and it's only entertainment. 86690 Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, getting interesting, the investigation into the uh, wildfires in uh, Hawaii and Maui. Uh, Wall Street Journal with an article yesterday that the uh, Hawaiian uh, electric uh, provider focused on climate change and has been neglecting the wildfire risk for a significant period of time. Mm. Now, that's what they believe. They believe that it might have. I mean, it's not... Uh, you know, it, it's not proof positive yet as to what caused it, but there is a belief that it came from the electrical wires. And this Wall Street Journal editorial, or not editorial, news story, mm-hmm. actually very interesting yesterday, so we'll get to that. All right, what happens if Trump continues to refuse to sign the loyalty pledge but shows up at the debate anyway? <laughs> yeah, they can enforce it. is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio 
Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, 86690 Red Eye. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome. Good morning. Thanks for being here. Download our app today, our Red Eye Radio app. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. So I just finally listened to, just during the top of the hour, mm-hmm. that viral song, mm-hmm. Rich Men North of Richmond, mm-hmm. Oliver Anthony, eh. you know, the conservative anthem and everything else that you hear. And, yeah. us, you know, it's like. And I understand it's, you know, quite populist in, in some of the lyrics, but mm-hmm. it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I What I, whenever a song, when people attach to a song and I've seen liberals and conservatives, you know, oh yeah, it's the elite and it, no, you gotta, you gotta be more direct. And that's when I see the lyrics, I'm like, okay, you're trying to make a point, but is your point accurate? Well, is it everybody in Richmond, north of Richmond, which is they believes Washington D.C. is what mm-hmm. they're talking. He's talking about, mm-hmm. or is it specifically liberalism? Those that embrace liberalism, whether they're on the right or left, the modern yeah. liberalism of today. Right. What is it really about? Well, and, if you're and, writing a song, and you're going to be direct about it, it's not going to be a great song. Because you're going to have to get into the weeds, and yeah, yeah. that's okay. not going to, okay. it's likely right. not going to rhyme, yeah. and it's not going to, so when, you know, when I see that, it's like, okay, listen to the song, it's like, oh, okay, all right, okay, I kind of get the point, but it really is a populist approach, uh, which has been going on for a long time. I, the, the, the viral nature right. of it is interesting. I, I guess because well, the guy look the performance is pretty good, but aside from that, I mean, it's is it is it really a conservative anthem? Well, because what it, basically, unless you're you know you're rich men. In fact, I, I saw someone just saying, uh, 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 was it rich? Was it, somebody was calling it just rich men? Now you know, yeah. not taking the fact that it's specifically about Washington. Where was it here? Mm-hmm. Where did I see it? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, because here, Taste of Country has Oliver Anthony, rich men of Richmond. Mm-hmm. No, it's north of Richmond. It's supposed to be, and and it seems to be, to, to me, I understand what he's, I understand, I, you know, I understand what he's saying, but for us, because we do talk radio, it's more specific. What exactly is going on that's screwing up society? And when you say rich men north of Richmond, what I believe is the liberals that I've heard talk about this Basically, this is the problem with greed in the country. Yeah, right. And it's the rich versus the poor, which yeah. I don't believe that's what he's singing about. Uh doesn't come off as that. No, I, I don't. That's not at all. I think he's talking specifically about what comes out of Washington. Now, what comes out of Washington that sucks? Liberalism. Mm-hmm. The modern liberalism that every single issue that we talk about today. So that's me just, I guess it's me wanting more. And you make a great point. It's a song. It's not supposed to get into the yeah, weeds. I mean, you, you kind of write something that, that, uh, which is really what drives the viral nature of it is, is the wording, the phrasing. 
that gets people's attention. Um, but it, you know, that the question is, all right, uh, you know, what kind of impact does it have? You know, I guess really it's a, it's about how any individual applies that thought conveyed in the song, you know? So the performance is good. It's a good performance. Seems like a very capable artist. Um, I try. I try not to. When you see things in the echo chamber, and a lot of it has to do with what we do for a living. But when you see it just, you know, traveling on through the echo chamber, it's like, all right. So, um, I can see that. I guess being maybe some has anybody used it at a campaign stop yet anybody had him at the campaign stop at a campaign stop yet i'm expecting that by the way that's why i asked that so i could see that happening you know but other than that it's it's one of those things that's kind of a populist moment that's kind of played out in american history repeatedly if you think about it you know Clever phrasing. That's what drives the viral nature of it. You know the uh, the thing is, so when you when you talk about the rich men of uh, of of rich men, mm-hmm. what what the song again and it, it, again it's just a song, mm-hmm. but what I want communicated is the fact that you know that it's almost as if the rich men are controlling the people instead of the fact that the people are voting these people in yeah. because they agree with their policies it's yeah. not that we're all victims we all love to be victims mm-hmm. that seems to be the new thing let's be a victim but the fact is the reality of washington dc exists with what he's talking about that he dislikes because this is the way that we have voted Every yeah. problem that right. we have today is because we voted politicians in to do it. It's not that they attained power through being in a dictatorship. Right. They made their case to the American people or the district that they were in, and they got voted in. Right. When you think of the people that promote the most radical policies in this nation right now, they are long-established Democrats that have been around for decades and get voted in year in yeah. And year out. Yep. So this whole thing that oh, the, because that's the the whole Richmond of rich Richmond to me gives the impression that there's these rich people, and it's not the richness of the people. It's not the money that they have. It's the ideas that they have. Like for instance, at the White House, everyone knows that Joe Biden's one of the was for the longest time one of the poorest members of the Senate. Now, his son changed all that. But this idea of, yeah, their wealth and that they're sitting up. uh, Look, many of them do live on a pedestal. But it's not their wealth paying for it. It's yours. And, you know, that's, uh, I guess, you know, when you get into the actual thought that is conveyed the, it it really comes across as well, um, their their wealth drives everything, and that and that they are leading, and they're making the laws 
And it has nothing to do with the people that voted them into office. Or the fact that in in the song, basically, he's talking about inflation. He's working like crazy Mm -hmm. and still Mm -hmm. can't afford stuff because prices are too high, taxes are... But everything that exists there is what the majority of Americans have voted for. Mm -hmm. So it's not like these rich people through greed are controlling us. They're controlling us because when you look, for example, of what caused inflation, it was things that Americans at that time all agreed to do. Not all agreed, but the majority agreed was the right thing. The polls showed until you got to the point of inflation, then Americans didn't like it. Yeah. But the fact is, Americans like the free cash, mm-hmm. as we found out. So I just, for for, for me, you know, I'm, I'm reading some of the headlines here. Uh, uh, rich man of Richmond punches down. No surprise, the right wing loves it. Uh, Oliver Anthony's rich men north of Richmond is an instant smash among conservatives, white progressives, well, white, <laughs> while progressives, <laughs> yeah. while progressives wonder if he's a, a a plant. I don't know. I don't. I just look and go, okay, what's the message? And that's why I look at it. It's sort of like it's the greed message instead of what it really is, which is the fact that, you know, we talk about greed. It's almost a, they're greedy, we're not. Well, we love the free cash. We're in a nation right now where the public doesn't give a damn that we're borrowing from our children and grandchildren. Mm-hmm. That's greed. Mm-hmm. That's the definition of greed. I want to. I want something now, and I want to put it on future generations. And I don't care about it. I don't want to think about it. I just want to promote the fact that I'm a victim. I'm a victim. I'm a. Vi- and there are some victims out there. If you're somebody who's been fighting against this for the longest time. And you've been fighting against, you know, the liberalism that exists today. You can look at yourself and say, yeah, but I've been fighting against this. I don't want the handouts. I don't want this. But the vast majority of American voters over the past 40 years don't fit that definition. No. And so, I mean, that's I guess that's what where I come from when I heard the song and then read, went through the lyrics completely. I'm like, well, conservatives are jumping on this. It's like, okay, I understand the point, but it's not because when you use words in a title, rich men north of Richmond, it's the rich, they're rich and we're poor, and that's the problem. That isn't the problem. No. So, no. There you go, me destroying a song that, nice song that people like to listen to. Way to ruin it for everybody. (laughs) Yeah, but every, here's the part everybody BSs in some way. Or yeah. gets the message wrong. Yeah. I won't say he's BSing, but I believe he gets the message. He, the, he doesn't explain his message fully enough. And by using rich men of Richmond, it's and he's not, and he's suffering, it's the rich versus the poor that that's the problem. And that is not the problem in the United States at all. Mm-hmm. And if there's greed, it's not just the greed of the rich. It's the greed of the people that wish to get a free ride and put it on future generations. And you can't forget that. We've talked. That's the most immoral thing that we are doing right now as a nation that has the majority of the public just ignoring it or for it. Because we heard even up till a year ago, people would call this show. Oh, the debt's no problem. The debt's no problem. The debt's no problem. You guys are over-exaggerating the debt problem. Nobody's saying that anymore, are they? And then they revolt, and they're horrified 
when the effects of the free lunch start hitting them. My new song, The PC in D.C., will be out next month. I like that. <laughs> it's funny, but here's here's the bad. How about, how about what's we'll, the worst part of that, though? Woke. Nobody says PC anymore. Okay, woke in Washington. Yeah, uh, yeah. Woke, woke and broke. Woke and we'll work on it. Yeah. Woke south of Baltimore. Woke in America. <laughs> Where is it not happening? Yeah, it's you know, and, and that, when, okay, when things when things go viral. Uh, typically, it is people. Oh, look, look, look! And it's usually all right. Clever lyrics, right? Clever mm-hmm. title, but you know, using it as an anthem. Uh, I'll stick with uh, Lee Greenwood. <laughs> or Zappa. Ah, uh, Lee Greenwood. Watch out for the yellows. No. No. Yeah. Watch out where the Huskies go. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Watch out where the Huskies go. That's it. Yeah. I'll stick with Lee Greenwood. <laughs> Yeah. Zappa wasn't anthem ready. <laughs> Zappa would have he would have never been anthem ready. I no. don't care what yeah. <laughs> I don't think he was into anthems. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's the opposite of the anthem guy. <laughs> I was watching the biography of Alice Cooper and when initially, I mean, the band was signed to, you know, uh, Frank Zappa's label, Alice Cooper was. Mm-hmm. Then Zappa said, I have no idea why, I have no idea what you're doing and why you're doing it. I'll sign you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Now, they didn't end up staying with him. but it's- Well, actually, that's how a lot of deals were made back then. It was usually this older guy that looked at it and said, I don't know what what's going on here, why all these kids are coming to the club. But they're coming to the club. You're signed. There was Zappa, there's a long thing on YouTube where he's talking about the cigar chomping guys in the back room were better than the so-called in people who supposedly knew music. Because, because they saw it. They sat there and went, I don't know what's going on here, but a lot of people are going there and it seems to be selling. So uh, sign them and see where they can go. Yeah, and the saying the new record executives, and this would have been in the '80s. He was talking about mm-hmm. are like, well, we know exactly where music is going, and this is where it should be. And Zappa was against all that. So, mm-hmm. but some of his stuff was probably not palatable for a significant portion of the music listening well, population. You know, that's <laughs> kind of the if you think think about it, that's kind of the beginning of the wokeness where things started to change. And A&R reps looked at artists for different reasons. You know, you wanted an artist to make a statement. Nothing wrong with an artist making a statement. You know, back in the day in the 60s, uh, my gosh, how many made a statement? You look at, at things, CCR, Crosby, Stills, Nash yeah, & Young. Yeah. You know, uh, Marvin Gaye, mm-hmm. uh, all these artists along the way that have made statements but if you're taking an artist or, or you're looking for an artist 
only for that quality, then you're again, you're missing the boat. Because you can crank up a CCR song, and the message might be, you know, it might be a message song. But if it's a great song, that's the point. Born in the USA is used by a lot of people as <laughs> an anthem. It's not a pro-USA song. No, not at all. And, and so and Reagan used it, didn't he? Yeah. I think Reagan used it. It was like, no, no, no. Right. Well, Fortunate Son by CCR. Yeah. yeah. The same populist mentality of uh, rich men north of Richmond. You know? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, uh, during but, a time but you could, of, you, of, but of you, a draft. But you could make that case with Fogarty there, even though Fogarty oh, yeah. disagreed no, no, with no, a no. lot I was going to say, you, had, you, 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 you could you actually make that case. point that they would get the rich people would be able to get the deferment exactly. not to go to non. Which was the, the entire right. spirit of the song. Yeah. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. North of $50 million, one Republican says the Biden payouts even are higher than uh, reported. We will get uh, to that. A free speech issue that a court looked at that we uh, want to uh, get to. And what happens if uh, Trump refuses to sign the loyalty pledge for the debate next week but shows up? Mm. Yeah. Is, is that the end of the leadership of the RNC? Well, you know, it because at that point they have to literally, well, not literally, draw the line in the sand, but they literally have to make the call to enforce their rule. Right that, then and there. And then you've got Trump, and it would be the liberal media. Here's the thing. I don't know if they realize how that would play out. The liberal media would love to have a clip of Trump saying, they shut me out of the debate. And Trump would love for the media to have that. Because the pressure, the the liberal media is doing it for a different reason, of course. But the pressure on the GOP would be enormous. All he has to do is one time. And at that point, everything just becomes for his And keep in mind, in the polls right now in the primary, he's the king. And his base would say, this is stupid. The GOP would have to respond. From the Uniden America Studios. 
It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up here, mortgage rates could hit 8%, economists say. Oy. Uh, we'll get uh, to that. Uh, just one interesting thing here about uh, just, you know, a uh, couple things I want to add about uh, the whole Trump situation. I was seeing here, uh, seeing that a legal analyst on CNN was saying, there's no plan on which Trump's case will be tried when the DA wants. And he talked about one of the cases with Willis is right now. Mm. They're in the eight, eighth month of jury selection. Wow. Well, eighth yeah, month of it now, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a gang. I don't know the case. It's a gang case. Mm. But they say the eighth month of jury selection mm. itself. Mm-hmm. And the thing for Trump is to push it as far back as possible. Yeah. And hopes that he could win and then. Right. Uh, and, oh. they, they proposed, by the way, the, the, uh, the prosecutor proposed March 4th of next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I thought, I thought to myself, well, there are going to be so many things where his team's going to ask for a delay anyway. Think about this. When you have that many people involved and really, again, he's the big fish. That's the idea. Uh, we all know what's you know what's going on here. There's either you know what's going on, or you're not being intellectually honest. If you're uh, for anyone who is paying attention, it's one of the two. And so, then you ask yourself, all right, how does a case like this work? Well, because the DA wants to get it there March fourth. Well, wait a minute. His team, not just his team, the team of all of those that are named in the indictment, all those lawyers' teams, they're all going to be pushing back here, asking for this kind of delay, asking for time for discovery, asking for all of it. That's how the process is. But when you bring a massive, bloated, overreaching case in my humble 30 years of watching law and order opinion, then expect it to take a long, long time. And it wouldn't shock me. And what I was, uh, another thought that that, uh, I was having yesterday as I was up, I think I was delusional, but not from Janet's, Janet Yellen's mushrooms. It's from the low temperatures. It was, we did have low temperatures yesterday, but, <laughs> but it was still really hot. It was like, and I, t- I talked, I had to post that on, I think on Facebook, you know, yeah. wow, massive, massive cold front today, 97 is a high. I did all my lawn work yesterday morning at 70 degrees, yeah. 70 degrees when I started. I got up and did my lawn work and then I was doing some just stuff in the, because I, I all of a sudden when I woke up, I went, uh oh, has the leak stopped? I was really having, I mean, I've, I've had the wet vac hooked up to the outside, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, condensation port. Uh, I had it on for like two hours and I went up, uh, up, you know, the, this is two days ago. Then when went upstairs and it's a, it's a wet vacuum, it'll, it'll, uh, it, you know, sucks, but then it will also uh, blow her. Mm-hmm. So I hooked that up to the pipes and sealed all the other ones to blow it from the other end, the condensation pipe mm-hmm. with the wet vac. And, and then I had put, you know, some, um, you know, uh, whatever the warm vinegar and or warm, not warm, but vinegar and warm water mm. uh, down it. 
as I was, I could feel a slight vacuum, but it wasn't what it should have been, mm-hmm. you know, when I had, and so it must've worked its way through because I woke up and it was gone. So I'm out there checking all this stuff and I'm just the last two days, I might've lost, I don't know, 10 pounds just from the sauna like conditions that I was mm-hmm. in, yeah. but it's all, it's all water loss. But I was, I was thinking that, that when you see, oh, by the way, Mark Meadows does have a point. He may, you know, we, we said in general that most of, you know, uh, on the election stuff, because states run elections, you're probably not going to be able to get it transferred to the federal government. Mark Meadows may, because Mark Meadows was a federal officer. Mark Meadows being chief of staff, a state really can't charge him for things he did on the federal level of, of basically policy and communications with the president because he was just setting up meetings. He was doing his job as a federal officer and state courts can't, he might have a, he might no, have a case. That's actually that, that doesn't make sense because Trump was still president at that time and he was still chief of staff at that time. It wasn't like Mark mm-hmm. Meadows was advising him after he were no longer in office, part of a campaign, part of just part of the effort, he had an official position. So the question is, if. Oof. Well, let's say that this case in January 6th, mm. because they're both extremely poor cases. Mm hmm. Let's say only one of them is done by that time, and he is found not guilty. Yeah, right. Everybody's talking about he's found guilty. And I say this because when you look at everything that we know now, that the not that the that there was fraud, because they haven't proven fraud. In fact, they're in deep trouble. I was reading where Giuliani's in terrible financial shape right now. Mm. Uh, and, you know, and he still has a Smartmatic. Smartmatic's coming after him yeah. big time. And just to keep the records that Smartmatic wants is costing him tens of thousands of dollars a month. Mm. And you and I, as we just talking about it before, we have no idea. Le- there were legit concerns about the last election, especially when states change rules. Yeah. Right. Especially when states change the rules because of COVID, they were legit. We have no idea why they ever went after Smartmatic and Dominion. They made stuff up. Giuliani, Sidney Powell, they made stuff up. If you had, you had so much leverage in the concern on the state level, I don't even know why you would even go after. Because here's the thing. Giuliani and Sidney Powell both know how that works. You start accusing private, the private sector, these, these companies of something. You better have the proof when the moment you start accusing them. And you better right. demonstrate that. Well, one of the things that Trump, and so I started thinking about that. One of the things that Trump can use is, look, if we knew, if we knew something was BS, we got rid of her. Mm. You know, we got rid of Sidney Powell. You know, Sidney Powell was stating this and we got rid of her. Right. You know, we didn't want somebody. We were looking at the legit concerns. And then you bring up everything 
that has been found out in it because she's bringing up everything nationwide. Mm-hmm. Well, then you bring up, we were concerned with this. We were concerned. Here's this newspaper article here. Here's these people that were, you know, that, that were accused of fraud, even mm-hmm. if it didn't make a difference mm-hmm. in the outcome of, of, of the election. Right. Here's fraud here. Here's fraud here. Here's the Supreme Court of these states overturning, saying we're not going to do these things anymore. All these things were going on. We were encompassed. We wanted everything to go through judicial review. That's what we were looking for, and everything was about judicial review, including the uh, alt- uh, alternate electors. But everything, if you do that, if you go through it like that, you have a good chance of finding one person on that jury that says, there's nothing here, mm. even if the jury isn't in your favor right. in a highly uh, you know, Democratic area. But I've been reading some people that live there, and they're saying, this jury pool might not convict Mm. that, you know, that they get. Well, what if you don't have a conviction? But I think so many things have happened since then that they can bring in discovery because of because she went so wide to include the entire country and things that went on in other states as part of this enterprise where then Trump can hit every single one of those states and say, here's what happened in this state. Here's what happened in that state. Here's what happened. No, it didn't go our way, but these improprieties happened. And look at what the Supreme Courts did. They they chastised them. And we saw this all going on. And so we wanted everything under judicial review. Right. And it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense because a lot of what we, and because she waited so long to file these charges, there's a lot more, and there's state legislators, uh, legislatures that change the rules as to the power that governors can have when yeah, it, comes, back. When, yeah, when it comes said, to elections. As we said then, this is how it will work. We said this in 2020. This is how it will work. State legislatures will go back and review, and they will have to decide and and be more specific on the guidelines and the limitations of the governor's powers. And that's exactly how it went down. Now, Trump's supposed to come out with his own documentary or whatever it is, report on Monday. We'll see whether he helps himself or hurts himself. Mm -hmm. Because with him, you don't know. Mm -hmm. Because right now, the biggest trouble that he has gotten into in any of these cases would be the Mar-a-Lago case, which is what? Him speaking. Mm -hmm. He has created the most... He himself has created the one instance where he is probably most legally vulnerable. I don't yeah. know if the evidence exists to get him, but they they went after him, and the public says, "Oh yeah, well, this is what he said." Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of like it's sort of like uh, you know uh, the Democrats this week, where now they've been quiet on it. But but Joe Biden to show me one set of evidence that Joe Biden got any reward for any of this. Oh, uh, Hunter's emails. Yeah. Hunter's text messages. Yeah. His son. His son. You know, so, I mean, that's the, when you, when you have somebody, you know, when you are, or somebody close to you was making it, but in the case of Trump, it was him stating it and they got it on tape. Yeah. And so that's where he's most legally vulnerable. But there are so many things that he can bring up in this, in the January 6th too. Yeah. Because now he can go through all of January 6th. He can go through everything, security. Mm. Now, will the judge, you know, will the judge allow him to bring it in? But there's so much stuff where you may not see this come up. The dates of the trial may, even if the trial started in October, 
It might take three months to get a jury pool. Or longer, yeah. Or longer. And then Trump, who knows? And and so, or it may not even come up. And that changes, that changes everything because she has presented an extremely weak case. And I know somebody will bring up, somebody will bring up, well, the public believes 54% that he did something wrong. Well, can they specify specifically legally what he did wrong? Right, right. Or do they just hear in general what's going on? Do they on? see it repeated in the right. liberal media and they're just right. repeating what they here being repeated my opinion is not based on that i'm conservative it's not based that i love trump or hate trump and neither is yours it's based on what is the evidence and what is the crime that they're charging and what is the precedent in history when it comes to elections and this has never been done before and there's a reason it's never been done before it it, it is such a massive overreach It's overcharging to the nth degree. But you had to do it. You had to try the Hail Mary. And you had to be part of the, uh, you know, the relentless approach of just throwing things at him in order to create chaos in the media. And it just might work. And it might not. I hope it doesn't. 86690 Red Eye. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio toll free at 86690 Red Eye. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Because you think about it, and you think, because every single count that they bring up and the, the counts against him, and because the DA decided to go nationwide, you know, and include in it all the different things that happened in different states and how they responded to things that happened in different states, that means you can do, you can bring evidence to counteract those arguments in your discovery for maybe, I don't know, uh, 150 different incidents, incidents that happened a- across this entire time, which gives the jury your mindset as to why you did it. And in many cases, like I said, very importantly, well, here's where legislature said, well, we gave the governor too much power. They shouldn't have done that. The Supreme Court decision or the some of the state Supreme Court decisions that said, no, you shouldn't have done that. That was illegal by the state constitution. All those things happening is what gave us the impression that what was going on, there was something wrong, and we wanted everything under judicial review. And when somebody said something crazy or something we didn't agree with or something that we thought was out of bounds, we did things like get rid of Sidney Powell off of our legal team. Well, and on top of that, if his team is looking... Or legal advisor, whatever you want to say. If his team is looking to extend this out, then if they're trying to delay it, it's reasonable for them to say, we're going to need time for a proper defense because these charges go on and on and on and on. Discovery alone could take a long time. This is Red Eye Radio.
on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Harley. Hi. So I'm just reading this article from TheHill.com. Trump refusal to sign loyalty pledge puts RNC in a bind. (laughs) Trump said he would not sign the pledge last week and is expected to announce in the coming days whether he will attend the event. Mm. Which brought up my question. If he doesn't sign the pledge but shows up at the event and they don't put him on stage, what happens? Well, you know, if he's going to, you know, if he's turned away, (laughs) that's the story. Forget about the debate. That will be the night's story. There will be a few clips coming out of the debate between the three people on the stage. (laughs) I think you got what uh, Tim Scott. Uh, Tim Scott uh, mm-hmm. is in. Pence is in. Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, DeSantis, Bergam. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So, like I said, the other three people on the debate. <laughs> Let me phrase it correctly. The, the other, uh, the other two contenders on the debate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Christie hasn't signed it yet. Who? <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. What? Well, he's he's been ex- he's been the most vocal on it. Really, mm. he was talking about it a few times. Said it's useless, and then he said last week, "I'll yeah, yeah I'll I'll sign it and uh, I'll." Uh, I'll pledge just like Trump did, which means I'll say yes, but I mean no. Yeah. (laughs) And what are they going to do if you sign the pledge and then next year after the debates are all over, you, uh, the primary debates are over. Right. You say, nah, I don't think so. Well, you know, it's, there's, there's nothing you can do about somebody changing their mind like i said if you think you need to be on that debate stage and your name isn't trump sign the sign sign the pledge because everybody aside from trump has a very clear need to be on that debate stage i'm not saying he shouldn't debate and absolutely doesn't need to debate he's going to have to eventually but i don't know that he has to sign the pledge well he may not be at the debate but he will be a part of the debate yeah well because because... he he will be he will will be watching the debate Mm -hmm. and the media will only be watching truth social as trump debates whoever attacks him 
on Truth Social, right. which the media will cover. Right. Well, and and here's the thing. You set up a live streaming event. And you can't show the debate, but you can show you can bring you can pull points out of the debate along the way. And Trump comment on them. <laughs> you know, I mean, which he may do anyway, if, if he's not on the debate stage. But really, it comes down to a showdown between the GOP and Trump if he decides not to sign the pledge and he shows up. RNC Chairwoman Rona McDaniel must now navigate the thorny uh, situation of a of appeasing Trump, both a ratings draw and the clear front runner in the primary, while maintaining her control as head of the party. It's a distinct possibility <laughs> that the Republican nominee for president could simply decide to shun the RNC itself, yeah, sure. uh, said uh, Brian Sedgwick, a Republican strategist and Trump campaign alum. When the candidate refuses to play by the rules, it obviously weakens the RNC's position. Hmm. However, McDaniel has given no indication that the RNC will make any exceptions for the former president. Quote, it's a beat Biden pledge, McDaniel told CNN's Chris Wallace in an interview last month. And what we're saying, and the debate committee has met for over two uh, years uh, with people from Alaska to Illinois to Tennessee, is if you're going to stand on the Republican National Committee debate stage, you should be able to support the nominee and beat Biden. Hmm. Everyone has to sign the Beat Biden Pledge. Everybody, she said, when asked by Wallace if that applied to Trump as well. It's across the board. The rules aren't changing. Hmm. We've been very vocal about them. Well, the interesting thing is, it says the pledge states that the candidate will support the eventual nominee of the party's primary and that the candidate will not participate in any debate that the RNC has not sanctioned. The pledge is part of the criteria Republican candidates must meet to qualify for the first uh, primary debate set for August 23rd. Well, the only the the message that is that has been clear from one candidate, and that is that guy you don't that you don't know of, apparently, Chris Christie, uh, <laughs> I mean, he's his message is I'm I, I'll probably sign it, but I won't mean it. Yeah, which makes a mockery yeah. of it to begin with, right? Which yeah, I'll sign it. Deserves that yeah. mockery, yeah, because <laughs> it means nothing. You know, I won't. And and Trump now, I you know, just because he has stated I'm not going to do it, mm-hmm. I'm not going to sign it. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if it affect him either way. He could do anything right now. His support's going to stay consistent with the Republicans. Well, I mean, there, that would have to be an extenuating circumstance that I haven't figured out what that would be yet for him to start losing the indictments. Haven't done anything. Yeah, it's what I, stop, exactly what I was saying his the popularity. other day. So, yeah. if he signs it or if he doesn't sign it, I don't think that makes any difference. No, absolutely not. In fact, uh, if he doesn't sign it and he shows up, actually. I don't know that he needs to show up, you know, because the others on the debate stage will say, well, he didn't want to debate us, but that won't be the story. It will be, well, they want me to sign a pledge, which is meaningless, and I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to compromise. So they told me I couldn't come. Well, And, and he doesn't, you know, that's the difference is that. With him, 
He's actually in control of that with his base, and nothing will change that. Well, that's why I'm I'm stating, why not show up and say, I want to be part of it, and they say no, and the whole headline is Trump's kicked out of the debate. Oh, yeah, no, if you no, want to make the no, noise. No, yeah. Nobody's paying to the debate anymore, mm-hmm. and his whole thing would be to blow up the RNC mm-hmm. at yeah. that point yep. because Ronald McDaniel will be directly responsible for the debacle that had nothing to do with the debate but the fact that Trump was kicked out. Yeah, if actually if I'm advising him, I tell him to do exactly that. Show up and make sure the liberal media outside has a comment from you. They wouldn't let me in. They wouldn't let they wouldn't let me in. But sorry, I can't support this person who doesn't believe this, this and this. If we're the Republican Party, forget about here's what I would do. I mean, this is what I would do. (laughs) I might do. Mm. I don't think I'd be in the situation that they're all in, though. But uh, <laughs> yeah. but but, uh, you know, the, the Republican Party is so out of touch. They're talking about pledge uh, pledges. I'm talking about people that agree with where the Republican Party stands on all these issues that are so important, like this, 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 this and this. And this candidate doesn't support this and this candidate doesn't support that. I don't care about the label Republican. We're not the no labels party. We stand for something. And if you don't stand for it, I'm not going to endorse you or say if you get the nomination, I'm going to endorse you because these are the beliefs of the majority of Republicans. That's what I would do if I'm not. And that separates you. I mean, politically, that separates you. You're still a Republican, you're talking about Republican values, and what you're saying is exactly what Trump has said the entire time since 2015. Because remember, the original swamp was the Republicans. Yeah. Well, it's it, because you can easily stand there and say, this is something I've been complaining about for years. How bad the GOP is, and we all know it. I said it in 2016 when I won. I've been saying it since. And they've demonstrated how they are not focused on what America is concerned about. Nobody cares about this pledge. Nobody cares about it. It doesn't mean anything. It's their way of keeping me off the stage. You play victim for a second. And the liberal media will carry that for you all day long. And and so you sit there and you what you do is you diffuse the fact that Christie, because that's I was seeing somebody on MSNBC. Trump won't show he's afraid because of Christie. Well, he should say, no, I am I was there. I was ready to debate. They told me I had to sign a pledge. Mm-hmm. I'm not signing a pledge to put somebody in there who would just be a president of the United States. And so the executive branch would be also controlled by the swamp. Mm-hmm. You can make it that simple. Mm-hmm. That I'm not, I'm, I'm here to debate. I'm not afraid of anybody to debate. I'm not signing a stupid pledge. Because some of those people on stage don't agree with the core beliefs of the Republican Party. And just right. leave it at that. Mm-hmm. And then you can't have Chris Christie at the debate saying, Trump didn't show because he was scared of me. The explanation has to be longer. Trump didn't show because he wouldn't sign the pledge, so he's afraid of me. Well, does that really work as an argument? No. So politically, if he didn't show up, yeah. Uh, it, it, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> if he didn't show up, 
that might not be a bad political move. Right. Well, either way, you can play it the same. Because, look, it's going to have a different visual if you're showing up and they keep you out. You know, that has a that has a stronger immediate effect in that the liberal media is going to be, you know, carrying that visual, the clip of you standing outside saying, well, they didn't want me on that stage, clearly. I don't know. Here's the thing, too. I don't know what they're afraid of. And all of that will play out in the media. And if you don't show up, you say the same thing. And the media will still carry it. It may not have the same visual impact. It just depends on how you do it and how you deliver it. Let's quickly go to Jamie in Reno. Uh, Jamie, welcome. You're on Red Eye Radio. Hi. Hey, how you guys doing this evening? Good. Um, thanks for giving me a sick opportunity to get in and talk to you guys. Um, anyway, um, I wanted to mention that um, if Trump doesn't debate in the primary and assume he does win the nomination, if he goes on to debate Biden in the general, it gives Biden out of number one. He's going to want to say, "Well, I don't want to, I don't want to debate a convicted felon if if that's the case or someone under investigation." But it also gives Biden the out of saying. Well, I'm not going to debate him. He didn't even debate his own people. You know, for some reason, they keep him out of these debates. Well, and that's why that's why he should show for the debate. If he doesn't sign it, he should yeah, still. Yeah, exactly. He, like, he, he should. Yeah, he should he, still. He shows and says, "I'm at least ready to debate." That right. at least I'm ready shows. to debate. I, I wasn't going to abide yeah. by the stupid pledge that the. And I think a lot of Republicans. You know, I don't know. I mean, I don't. You know, Ronna McDaniel saying, you know, she went, uh, you know, town to town across, and Republicans all want. You to sign the 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 you know the the pledge. Well, that's you know, I'm going to vote for the Republican nominee. Most yeah. likely, I, mean, I don't want to read in the future, but most likely, I will vote for the Republican nominee. And I'm saying that because I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, you might have. Uh, I'm trying to think. Somebody else might jump in at the last second, but most likely, I'll support the 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 nominee. And the pledge, I could care less about. No, I think it's well. Maybe if we're lucky, uh, maybe if we're lucky, um, he'll he'll have enough friction with Ron McDaniel and bounce her out of this whole situation, so we have a better yeah. better option in there for next time. Yeah. Well, I just <laughs> again, and and it's not this. Uh, I, I don't come to my conclusion. Thanks so much for your call, Jamie. Based on partisanship, I base it on the issues. I base the fact that look, uh, if I ran as a Republican, I know I'm going to have different issues, uh, you know, from there, and there are some people. On, on this debate stage that I don't want to see representing me. Now, they may represent the Republican Party, but I'm here in the Republican Party because I bring these five issues, hypothetically, these five issues that I'm not running for president, these five issues that, uh, you know, that 75% of Republicans agree on. Mm-hmm. There's massive consensus uh, on this. These people believe this, 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 and this. You know, and I just can't support them on the issues. So you're talking about I can't support somebody because of the issues. That's a legit argument to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, you know, it, it, when the GOP does things like if if we start having a real conversation about controlling the, the debate during and where the debates are going to be in the moderators and everything during the main general debate between the two nominees, then now you've got my attention. That's exactly what I want them to do. But it's going the opposite direction when you say, 
you must sign this pledge to support the nominee. Nope. You're asking me to do something that I don't believe. Yeah, I'm not important here. You as a Republican Party need to choose the nominee that best represents you on the issues and values. And forcing not about do, me. Forcing me to do something I don't believe in right. is very liberal right. idea. Ooh. Ooh. It is. I, that, I, I, I think the, about the, that. The, the ooh was like, I, they, that was a positive ooh. Yeah, oh, I know. Yeah, <laughs> okay, all right. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got it. I was like, ooh, that's good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it is. Eight six politically, and by the way, we're doing this as political consultants here. Mm. What, what would be a good move? And, and that was just good. Yeah. Mm. Why are you forcing me to say something? To, why are you forcing me to basically say that I'm going to support someone who I might not actually support? Right. Why are we pretending? Democrats pretend we don't. Right. Ooh, that's a very liberal idea. Yeah. Very liberal approach. Eight six six ninety red eye. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at JJ Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on roadside inspections. Drivers must always be prepared for a roadside inspection. This means drivers should always have their personal, vehicle, and company credentials organized and ready, and having any shipment paperwork, such as bills of lading or hazardous materials shipment emergency response information, organized and ready for the inspection official. Just an FYI, the top two violations written against drivers every year, as well as during Operation Road Check, are log general form and manner and log not current. Both are completely avoidable if the driver keeps the log accurate, compliant, and current at all times. Having the vehicle ready for inspection involves the driver conducting daily inspections and making sure any problems that are discovered are immediately corrected. Vehicle readiness also requires the company to make sure that the vehicle is current on all scheduled maintenance and that the maintenance schedule is adequate. This will make sure the driver is being given a sound vehicle to start with. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. I mean, Trump's really the only guy that that could do that, though. I, so yeah. I was thinking, would could yeah. Christie do it? Because no. Christie, <laughs> they asked Christie on Sunday, "Well, you haven't signed the pledge yet." He goes, "Nobody's given it to me." Well, if he shows up pledge. and hasn't signed the pledge, he's, if he walks up to the door and says, "Hey, I want in, but I haven't signed," the and you are <laughs> Chris Christie, and. That means what? Do you have an ID or something? Where would I know you from? <laughs> David Spade at the door. And you yeah. are. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> would you sit that. over there? Yeah, yeah. It, we'll we'll wait. be right back. Wait, yeah. wait with the rest of the. Wait with the rest other of the people. Of the people that are here to watch the debate. <laughs> the, that we're not letting in either. <laughs>
threat to democracy if you don't download our app, Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, I was going through, uh, since, you know, we both subscribe to National Review, I actually uh, have the uh, National Review, basically the the, the, the blog, I mean, the, the private uh, Facebook site. And somebody brought up, because we were just chuckling about Chris Christie, someone was like, I don't get it. What happened with Chris Christie? When was it that Chris Christie lost favor with the Republican Party? You know, when did that happen? He was so popular. And I don't know if the I don't know if the person was playing stupid or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But I, but it was interesting because I, I went because I knew immediately for me the point, And that was when he was groveling behind uh, behind Trump. Yeah. Uh, right. After, you know, after the 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 election. Right. Yeah. Uh, he just it was a horrible moment, you know, from him. And I don't know whether he was looking for a position in the in the in the you know, with the Trump administration or whatever. But it just was such a bad. It wasn't him. Well, not not it, only that, but now you add to it. He's piling on saying Republicans shouldn't have supported him. You've got to put your yourself first in that line. If you're going after Republicans who supported him back then, then you have to put yourself first in that line. Because he's saying, well, they never should have. He's implying they never should have supported Trump. They never should have backed Trump. If you're saying that and saying, I'll start with myself, then fair enough. But he's making it seem like he's not included. He might say, you know what? I supported him then. I don't support him now. Okay? That sounds reasonable. But don't make it sound like you always knew. And that's what he does. He says, they were wrong back then for doing this and this and that. You played your political game the way you played it, too. And then recently it was his uh, totally befuddling support of Christopher Ray. Mm-hmm. Which made no sense, especially from somebody who was portraying the fact that he, you know, that and, and you know, basically uh, promoting that he is for uh, law and order, that he's right. a law and order guy. Right. And when you see the rot that exists in the FBI and we know and we knew about the FD 1023 at that point. We knew that Ray had lied to Comer yeah, at that point because that was the accusation, and he never said, he never came out and said, that never happened. He just was quiet on it. And we know that if he believes that somebody's telling a lie on him, Christopher Ray, he'd be the first to correct it, and he did not. Right. And so for Christie to come out and say he supports Christopher Ray, it's like, sorry. Sorry, dude. I mean, this is, you know, uh, you can talk about the beginning of Chris Christie when he first became governor of New Jersey, uh, his real rise on the national stage. And you look at the things that he talked about back then as governor of New Jersey, coming in, trying to fix what a lot of Democrats have put into play for a long, long time. And we've seen that in other states and he was rising within the party because of some of the things that he was doing then. You can also lose your credibility along the way. 
very quickly. And any, if anybody that uh, is asking the question, you clearly don't understand that and you don't know how the political game is played. You don't know the dynamics in the American political landscape, clearly. But no, I would vote for Christie over any Democrat. Oh, but all my, day. But my loss of support for him, because when he was governor of New Jersey, we thought he did a as good of a job as he could in the situation that he was in. And we were always impressed that, you know, with Chris Christie, when he spoke before the firefighters and they were booing him. And he was blunt and it was it was he made great points. He said, don't boo me. I'm telling you the truth. Yeah. You supported people who lied to you and promised you something that they knew they couldn't keep. But they knew they'd be out of office. So they promised you the world. They lied to you. I'm telling you the truth and you're booing me and you accepted them lying to you because it's what you wanted to hear, even though it was never going to be. And I thought that was extremely solid when he uh, when he did that. But really, just the whole Ray thing, you know, because uh, the Ray thing was really a huge disappointment. Mm-hmm. Sort of like uh, Nikki Haley talking about, oh, Disney moved to South Carolina. You just don't get it. Right. Yep. Just don't get it. Yep. You know, there and, and it's their, look. There are things legitimately that you can go after Trump at uh, about legitimately. Yep. But when you go you go after or you make you make statements that go against what the majority of Republicans want just so you can think you get some type of bonus points over Trump. Look, we've criticized Trump on ethanol. Yeah. You know, right. we've been blunt. The majority of America, the majority of Republicans are under the wrong impression that Trump changed trade drastically in this country yeah. with USMCA. He did right. not. Right. That was his intent, but he didn't end up doing it. And that's fine with us because I was happy. And I we actually said, I'm happy that he did do the things that he wanted to do with the protectionist things, and he finally backed off on them, but was still selling it to his constituents who were like, yeah, and we actually said it was sort of like when uh, Ron Paul, yeah, uh, when right. when we would get calls from from totally loyal Ron Paul supporters saying Ron Paul's against free trade, he's against free trade, and so that's why we want to vote for him. And this went on for years, and we had to instruct them: no, Ron Paul is for absolutely complete and total free trade, unmanaged free trade right. is what he promoted. Right. And they took it wrong when he said, I don't like NAFTA. Right. I don't like NAFTA. They took it as, and they had it. And we dealt with that for years. Mm -hmm. You guys don't know what you're talking about. Here's Ron Paul. We would play quotes and we would still get calls. You guys must have edited it. You must have done. No, Ron Paul was for absolute free trade. No regulated trade at all. I never forget. He said one day, a small company in Arkansas should be able to trade with anybody in Egypt. Right. Remember, he just kept yep. or anywhere yep. else in the world. And and so, th- you know, that happens at times. But, you know, the the when the parts of the free trade agreement that he changed made automobile parts more expensive to buy 
in the United States, Mexico, and Canada. Right. The one big change he made actually hurt the economy. Right. But that's the only thing he did. And those things probably would have been made in different countries anyway. But you basically, because of what he did with auto parts, made it so they're not produced in North America. Right. That they're going to move to other places. But he didn't drastically change NAFTA. But people, we have we said it before, people like if the narrative is the same, if the substance of the narrative changes, so many people don't care. And that happened with some Trump supporters there. So we have no problem going after. We have no problem going after him on ethanol. We should not be subsidizing ethanol. He's been blunt. I'm going to give. I'm going to give farmers subsidies for something that America. Exactly what we've talked about EVs for something Americans don't want and aren't asking for because I'll get their vote. That's conservative. We talked about that in 2016. Yeah, he was blunt about it. That we, you can't talk about changing ethanol mandates, Ted Cruz in Iowa. And as we mentioned, and it turns out that Ted Cruz won Iowa in 2016. And as we mentioned, the Republicans yesterday that have gone along with the, you know, that got with the EVs and the whole climate change and wind power and alternative. And we mentioned Governor Abbott, Newt Gingrich, Trump with Lordstown. Yep. Supporting a complaint. Now, these are the kind of electric vehicles you should make. Stop BSing the public. Well, because as long as you do that, then the liberals get away with everything they're doing, and more. Right. That's how you get to the mandates. And that's how you convince all of Americans, by the way, because everybody points to it and says, oh, no, this is bipartisan. And so, uh, you know, uh, but, but as I've said, with all my disagreements on Trump, a normal Republican, I probably would agree with 60%. Trump probably had 75% of my support. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could still bring up the things I disagreed with him on, on the issues. And if you you can do it legitimately, and those are legit things. But like whether when Nikki Haley did the thing, you know, to try to take the shot at DeSantis, well, move it here. Stop it. Right. You're not even convincing. You think you're getting some cheap shot at DeSantis. You're hurting yourself. Yep. Oh, so you're going to allow Disney to move there? And, and, and all of a sudden, he- Nikki Haley, you become supportive of of uh, young kids five years old being taught sexualized content because that was the message she sent out mm-hmm. that was stupid right and christy with christopher ray was dumb and well just like ramaswamy the other day when he mm-hmm. did the um the 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 great thing on on uh, the whole radical transgender movement that was great mm-hmm. but a couple days before was talking about well i sort of differ with the republicans when it comes to the legalization of hard drugs Shut up! <laughs> well, because, first of all, you're never going to win that. No. And trying to even have any discussion on that does not serve you politically at all. But you know what? I'm glad he said it. I'm glad they do the things they do and say the things that they say because it tells me exactly who they are. Yeah, who they are, right. Exactly. So. Let us go to Richard in Chattanooga. Uh, about the pledge. Richard, hi, you're on Rod Eye Radio. Welcome to the show. Thank you, gentlemen. Hey, listen, now I heard talk the other day from a friend of mine. We were talking about this, and he said that he heard that there was a strong possibility that Trump wouldn't even be on all the ballots in the 
in all 50 states. Wouldn't be on all 50 states' ballots. If he's a Republican, now, he would I, be. Okay, so if he is the nomination, if he is the nominated one, he has to be on all the ballots. Okay, so it, right. that's fair. Okay, that's good. But what if he doesn't become the nominee and he wants to run as a third party? He's just going to suck votes away from DeSantis or whoever would be the nominee. But that was basically where I was going to go with this. It's like if the Republicans really want to hit Trump, they ought to play that angle on it because. Well, it's interesting he because he on all 50 ballots. Yeah, I mean, he, he would have to he would have to have a massive fund. Here's the thing. The, the problem that that he would have that if he ran as, a, as as you look at it right now and with everything that he faces, where would he he's got massive legal bills still. To, and I, I know a lot of them have been paid by his campaign funds, but there are more massive legal bills uh, uh, coming. And that's one of the concerns. How is he going to allocate his campaign funds? Because so many of the camp, so much of the campaign funds are going to face what right now four different trials that he's going to be in, uh, in, involved in. So if he's going to be a third, if he's going to be a, an independent candidate uh, and run on his own, he's going to have to get in the the you know every single you know fifty state ballots in order to do so. Because what other party is going to say we want you to be our nominee mm-hmm. that is in all fifty states? And so. That's going to cost a ton of money to do so, and is he willing to spend his money to do that, and does he have the ability to fundraise, especially from large donors, to be able to do that? And I don't know if I don't know if he can. He might be able to, but that would be the challenge that he would have. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's the, Well, that answers what I had to say, because when you said that if he was the nominee, he has to be on the ballot. That's what I was concerned yeah, about. Yeah, because the Republican like, Party is on every, uh, every state. Every state right. ballot. Right. It's because he's a Republican right. that gets him on it. Yeah. 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 Thanks so yeah. much. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, gentlemen. 86690 Red Eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Mortgage rates could hit 8%. We'll get to that story coming up here in a little bit. And the Wall Street Journal story, there it is, Hawaiian uh, Electric focused on climate change, neglected wildfire risk. A Wall Street Mm. Journal article Mm. on that yesterday. And uh, plus, we will require all of our audience to take a loyalty pledge starting next week. Yes. You will be getting the documents by email. And you must sign them and return them, or else uh, we'll we'll uh, do nothing. <laughs> We're identical to the GOP. It will mean nothing. nothing. Uh, and also a uh, free and, sp- and by the way, don't make us do nothing yeah. because we will do it. And and but there's also a free speech uh, a case. <laughs> The other day that we want to tell you about. And also north of 50 million is what it could be. Oh. That the uh, uh, Biden payouts are. Wow. More coming up. Why did I have 50 million in my mind? I've been saying that number. You know you did.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.